You're here listening to uh, Workers' Power, and uh, I'm Bill. Uh, I'm joined by uh, Hannah and Jackson. Um, we're on uh, good old 4ZZZ 102.1 FM on the wireless dial, and uh, we just listen to, as we do a lot here, we play Rage Against the Machine to start off, and uh, aptly named titled uh, Freedom. We've got another song later on in the show with the word freedom in too, which is good. That's uh, our theme for the day, maybe, hey? Freedom. And uh, we, we, we can talk about, um, you know, some actions and, and workers standing up and fighting back um, and, and expressing their rights to freedom. That's what we are doing on the show today. <laughs> so we've got no guests, but we've got plenty to chat about. And, and there's also, we, we're going to have a bit of an extended chat on some of the exciting events that are uh, happening uh, in and around um, Mianjin, um over the coming weeks. Um, so, yeah, and plus plenty of w- workers' actions. Um, and, of course, uh, the world-famous Scallywag of the Wick. All right, and uh, as we always do, first off, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yagara and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge all First Nation comrades listening today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggles for recognition, reparation and land rights. Right, so on on that uh, note, we'll uh, rip into some uh, First Nations workers' action. And, um, oh, this is is nearly an update, is it? Or, Or is it a new... Oh, no, this is the new one. Class action over stolen wages. Um, Yeah, so this is happening in WA. So up until the 1970s, wages earned by Indigenous workers in WA were paid to the state government. Historians say governments at the time knew the practice was a form of slavery. Lawyers estimate tens of thousands of people could be eligible to join a class action launched against the WA government to retrieve lost earnings and compensation for the decades of unpaid labour forced upon Indigenous people. More than a 1,000 people have registered for the claim, which will be lodged in the federal court. But according to lawyers working on the case, up to 10,000 workers and their descendants would be eligible. Jan Sadler, head of class actions at Shrine Lawyers, described the case as historic, with lawyers combining cities and towns across WA to locate workers and their descendants. Ms Sadler declined to comment on the amount they were seeking in compensation, but she said for some claimants it was a race against the clock. These people have effectively been waiting all their lives to be properly compensated, she said. They are now in their 70s and 80s and even older in some cases. Up until the 1970s, all Indigenous Australians were governed under various protection acts which controlled every aspect of their lives, from whether they could buy a new pair of shoes or whether they could marry. It was these acts that allowed Aboriginal wages to be held in, in trust by state and territory governments. There are estimates that at least that as much as $500 million worth of entitlements were kept from Indigenous workers in Queensland alone between 1920 and 1970. Last year, the Queensland Government settled a class action relating to these unpaid entitlements for $190 million. A 2006 parliamentary inquiry tried to determine how much money may have been stolen from Indigenous workers nationwide but found the practice was so extensive it would be almost impossible to determine. Good on them. 
I say. Good on them. And, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, the reason I and, – and it's noted in, in the um, story there that last year the Queensland government – I oh, see, that's why I said, is this an update, you know? Yeah. I know that there was a huge victory, a $190 million settlement. So uh, now it's Western Australia's t- turn. I, yeah, do we know if any other states have done it yet, like apart from Queensland? No, I think that uh, I think that, that was a precedent. I'm not 100% sure, but I okay. think that that was uh, the well, first one. We should see it happening all around the country then, well, I imagine. Yeah, well, yeah, the Queensland government, uh, in the past, the, the Queensland government and the West Australian government were quite... Uh, well, um, the horrific is the word that comes to mind. Uh, yeah. But uh, quite uh, totalitarian in their approach to, uh, um, you know, the, the, these poor workers. And uh, um, even reminds me a little bit of Deebing Creek, how back in the day that they, they, when they, when they put the mission together out of Deebing Creek, all the, the men who were going to work, they garnished their wages to pay for the land. Mm. So they never got to see much much of their wages, and and then stole them off it again. They stole the land back off them again a few years later. But yeah, like uh, no one wants to have their, you know. Oh, we'll look after that. You know, it's like Indu card or something like that. Even more draconian than your Indu card. No, no, you're you're a First Nation. You, you, you we'll look after your money and trust. What a disgrace. yeah, infantilising of, of yeah. people. It's pretty yeah horrific. And you're taking away their freedoms. You know, the, the, you know their right to move around. Well, they they did have that. They went. They they. I've seen one post during the week how. They needed to, uh, like, up until 1967, they they had to get permission to leave their their country. Mm. So, which is essentially, you know, so so say here in Mianjin to to go to Byron Bay, you, you'd need permission from from the a state controller and that. But uh, um, yeah, 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 here on Workers Power, we like to highlight uh, the the injustices that have been served and. Uh, and when they're being remedied, we'll be here to report on it. So, great story, comrades. Yeah, um, and a, a common, like, argument by racists is that, like, oh, this is just so long ago, it's not, it doesn't even matter now. Um, but, like, we, there was slavery in Australia in the 1970s. Yep, mm. that's right. Yeah, that's my partner, Smiley, he has aunties who I've spoken to. They were part of the stolen generation. They've told me their stories and it's just... Horrific, so it's definitely, yeah, it's not in the past, it's no. ongoing, especially now, as you mentioned, with the Inju card that's targeted at mm. Indigenous Australians. Well, well they, they started out um, like with the basics card, that was yeah. that was the forerunner to the Inju card, and and they 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 went after First Nations workers first, and, and, then, and then there's that old. What, what would it be, a poem or, 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 or a, a, a literary piece where first they came after the First Nations workers. Yeah. I stood by and did nothing. Mm. And then and then they go through. And now there's, you know, like if you, you know. Eventually they, they'll they, come for you. Eventually <laughs> they'll come for us, you know. They, yep. go, they go for First Nations people first. They go, they go for, for, for um, carers, pensioners, and women, you know. And if we don't stand up for them, well, there's going to be no one left to stand up for us. So... Good on us, I say. Yes, let's stand up and fight back. <laughs> That's right. Okay, we've got uh, one a story here on the Nathan Reynolds uh, coronial inquest. Yes. So uh, a nurse assumed a, priv- a prison inmate dying from a severe asthma attack had overdosed on drugs, a coronial inquest has heard. 
Nathan Reynolds died in John Moroney Correctional Centre in September 2018, just a week before he was expected to be released. Oh, shame. The 36-year-old Indigenous man had notified staff he urgently needed help but was pronounced dead just over an hour later. On the first day of the inquest, the court heard an emotional account by a former cellmate who broke down in tears as he described trying to help Mr Reynolds, who went stiff while struggling to breathe on the night of August 31st, 2018. Trained in first aid, the former cellmate placed Mr Reynolds in the recovery position and did his best to open the man's mouth and airways. He's done like a big gurgle, and that's when I started rubbing my arm on his back and said, mate, keep breathing, the former cellmate told the New South Wales Coroner's Court, wiping his eyes. He was alive then. He could hear me. Minutes later, about 11.49pm, the only registered nurse at the prison that night arrived on the scene. The former cellmate said he was relieved and told her Mr. Mr Reynolds was breathing but had some yellow fluid coming out of his airways but he was distressed after seeing her roll Mr Reynolds onto his back. I've seen her slap Nathan in the face and aggressively shake him and telling him to wake up, the former cellmate said. The nurse then said to the prison officer that Nathan's had a drug overdose. After the prison officer asked what drugs Mr Reynolds had taken, the former cellmate said, how can you say that after you've just sat here and watched him have an asthma attack? I believe that she just thought he overdosed on drugs because he was a criminal. He was in jail. He must be a junkie. Lawyers for Mr Reynolds' family said an autopsy found he was given a drug usually administered to people experiencing an opioid overdose. The inquest is expected to run until mid-next week. I'm glad you've brought that to us, comrades. uh, It's a very sad... Um, very sad story, you know, a preventable death, and uh, the, these are the ones that that, that, that we talk about, and, and the right wing nut jobs will, will say, "Well, it wasn't a death in custody, it wasn't, you know, but it was, you know, no, you, very much, you know, very much." So yeah, this, this just shows the, the danger of dominant discourses in our society, because that nurse, I believe, she was young. Um, she obviously didn't do a very good job that night, but she's been influenced by these dominant discourses that this man's indigenous, he's in prison, oh, he must be a junkie, I, you know, I don't really have to try that hard to fit to save him. And if we didn't have those dominant discourses influencing us in that way, then this might not yeah, have happened. Yeah, yeah, and... It's easy to, to see that they're influenced by that when, when they're overworked, underpaid... And under-resourced, you know, they're on your own, uh, only registered nurse, and, and, you know, we, we don't know the size of that, but... Uh, um, I think it's a pretty b- large Pretty large, Moroni, yeah, John Moroni Correctional Facility would be quite, quite large, you know. You, you'd nearly envisage that there should be a doctor on call. Well, yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you, know, you with that you, many people there? That's right, and... It's really, really sad, and and um, I, I I feel um, for the uh, they haven't named the cellmate, which is okay, but um, good good on them. Yeah, you know, it must be incredibly difficult to to want to to help them. You know, that must have been you know very very traumatic, um, and then for them to pass, you know, to to try and save someone's life and then they pass would be quite traumatic. But then also to, to have to go through it in a, in, in a court of law and be, um, you know, grilled. But I'm sure the, sure the defence didn't or, or, or the government or whoever didn't let them off lightly. And, uh, you know, the, the, the poor man's in there crying, you know, a grown man crying in, in, in a... 
in a witness stand is, is not good. Yeah, know? well, he did his best. Sounds but like he was doing a good job to yeah. try to help him and then the nurse kind of came in and stuffed it all up. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, there could be, it could be done better, you know, for, for all workers, you know. All workers, you know, the, the government has a duty of care, you know. If, you, if you're going to, you know, um, lock people, well, don't, just don't lock don't people lock up. People bugger. Yeah. yeah. Don't lock people <laughs> up. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah, good idea. But but, uh, one thing that uh, of of note, uh, we got a uh, an SMS from uh, Steve, who says, "In the spirit of reparation for past wrongs, has there ever been a campaign to remain rename all roads named boundary around Brisbane?" Now, first off, I I, want to say well done, Steve, for actually having the knowledge of knowing why. Uh, th- there's so many boundary uh, streets in and, in and around the engine uh, or Brisbane or whatever we, we want, so-called Brisbane, whatever we want to call it. But we were talking about that. Uh, thanks for your input, Steve. Steve's a, a proud subscriber and uh, um, SMSed us on. I wanted to mention the SMS line, 0420-626-733, 0420-626-733. So if you've got an interesting comment like Steve had or you've got a request, send it on through and we'll see what we can do. But, uh, yeah, as I said, we were chatting a little bit about the break about, about uh, the boundary names and uh, there has been some uh, a couple of little campaigns, but there's also the... the um, the fact that uh, it's one of those things where we can remember history and uh, yeah. we can remember why they were there and, um, and uh, uh, you know, when our kids ask, why is that name Boundary Street? Well, that's where we oppressed our First Nations workers back in the 70s and 80s, well, prior to the 70s and 80s. So, um, yeah, and um, as you said, uh, Jackson, it's not like it's a, st- a statue of Captain Cook or anything like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it's less of like a celebration of history, rather it's more like a scar that shows the crimes. That's a great analogy. Of it's, the yeah. Australian government. Yeah, good work, Jackson. I'm glad you put it like that. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that said, look, if uh, First Nations um, workers were to start a campaign to to get rid of it, and they think that it's the best for them, I'm sure we would yeah, all join in. We would support that. Let's uh, let's rip into some uh, workers' action. Um, let me bring it up. Uh, where are we? Oh, here. Well, I think we wanted to have a bit of a chat about okay. the defund the police rally that happened last week. Uh, yeah, so more than 200 people protested the Labor, go- Labor government's recent decision to increase funding to the police by more than $624 million. Poli- protesters called for the police to be defunded and abolished. Police don't make you safe, one speaker said. Protesters marched to Queensland Police Headquarters and later to the middle of the street, Queen Street Mall in a moving demonstration led by First Nations people. Wonderful. Yeah, we were talking on the show a couple of weeks ago about um, the huge, huge amount of money that's being pumped into the Queensland Police Force thanks to Palaszczuk. Um, which is, as we know, the exact opposite of what we need to be doing. We need to be pumping money into domestic violence services and housing and social workers. 
and uh, welfare as well. Yes, all of those things. And sp- instead, uh, Palaszczuk has decided we're going to give millions of dollars to the police force. There was a ridiculous a amount of money. Ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. So that workers can be further oppressed. Yeah, a lot of money also spent on those um, mobile police commands as well, so they can, you know, set up their. Uh, uh, they're, uh, you know, draconian drug busts and things like that, getting, you know, commuters and, and, and the like, you know. And, uh, um, yeah, yeah, they're spending just, yeah, more and more and more on front line is the words that they like to use. I was doing the inverted commas there, front line, you know, like, yeah, front line to oppress workers. Mm, yeah, I saw a good article yesterday. I think it was the... Oh, I can't remember what paper it was, sorry. Anyway, they were talking about um, domestic violence workers. Uh, um, domestic violence workers were talking about, rather, how the police are one of the the biggest obstacles they face in actually helping yeah, domestic I... violence survivors. The police get in the way. It's a story I've heard over and over again, especially um, in my studies as a social worker, that the police get in the way. They actually cause more problems. And so much of that is just because so many police are um, domestic abusers themselves. Yeah, exactly. They're bullies. They got picked on in school, (laughs) so they want to go out and bully us. (laughs) I I love that line when 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 the the the, the cops around, you know, and they're thinking they're king king. Well, I can't use that word. (laughs) I always like you know you you just have a loud conversation with the comrade standing next to you, and, and you say. Oh, yeah, I know what it was like. I was bullied at school too. <laughs> <laughs> we turned out all right. Yeah, a lot I of us were bullied out. at school. Yeah, we didn't turn yeah. out being pigs. Yes, that's right. So, yes, um, yeah, we don't need more oppression. We don't need more police. Uh, we need a better society and, uh, yeah, keep listening to, fo- to Workers' Power and we'll tell you all about it and oh, how yeah. to get there. And, we uh, could talk about it for hours, I Yeah, think. We, we, we could, uh, <laughs> yeah, have a... Seize the means of production special, couldn't we? That'd be fun. Do you like the idea of that? Yes, let's do that. And a lot of this uh, funding of police is also just about uh, pretending that crime is an individual issue because if they uh, like actually Mm recognise that crime came from like the economic conditions that people were in, that would mean that they were (laughs) that it's the the government's fault for exactly. That's good old neoliberalism for you. They individualise all of these problems when we know it's all systemic and it's getting harder and harder and harder as people are getting poorer and we're killing the planet although i think the planet will bounce back quite nicely without us but while we remain under neoliberalism we're just going to continue this individualization and they're going to keep pumping more money into the police force so that they can squash us basically so yes let's get rid of that let's yeah. get rid of capitalism kangaroo point is 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 a really good example of, uh, you know of, of how uh, and and we were talking about it here on the show how the queensland government were actually supporting a federal liberal government's policy by providing the security out at kangaroo point mm. really premier anastasia she they should have gone no your problem, you know. Mm. We don't want states' uh, money spent on that. Thank you very much. But of course, you know that's, uh, you know, they're part of the problem, not part of the solution. Um, yeah, yeah, it's all quite neatly tied in together. The whole refugee issue is unfortunately bipartisan here in Australia. We did a did a great interview with Nadine Shamali last week on this. So if you want to look up 
our show from last week. We really got in stuck stuck into it. Right. Uh, we better get into some workers' action. Um, what's our first uh, uh, one we've got up there? Oh, I'm glad you guys found this story. I've I seen it there and... Um, it's a sad thing, but we should still be reporting on it as a young apprentice was uh, uh, killed in a, a uni work site. Yeah, authorities are investigating how a building site's roof collapsed at Perth's Curtin University, causing apprentice construction worker Johnny Hatshorn to fall to his death. The 23-year-old man and another worker fell more than 20 metres when a metal structure supporting a glass roof collapsed last Thursday, Tuesday afternoon. The second man was seriously injured and was undergoing surgery at Royal Perth Hospital. A third worker inside the building at University's Bentley campus was also injured after falling about 10 metres. Police said he was conscious and able to speak. Both injured men are in their 20s. WorkSafe is also investigating the incident and a police report will be prepared for the coroner. Electrical Trades Union WA organiser Damien Clancy witnessed the collapse and said it happened during the lunch break. He said there could have been many more deaths and injuries had it happened just five minutes earlier. CFMEU State Secretary Mike B- Mick Bichon said he had been made aware after the incident of there being issues with deflection in the structural steel. Lendlease, who was in charge of the build, was aware of an issue to the point where they brought a surveyor out the previous week to determine the levels of sag in the steel after they put about half the glass up. They had reached their limit and hadn't loaded all the glass, but they still pushed it too far. These events should never occur in the building and construction industry. Friends and families of Mr. Hartshorn took to social media to pay tribute to the young worker, describing him as a lovely young man who was well-loved and respected. Rest in power, young comrade. This is a um, it's a sad story, and it happens a bit too often. I think people, you know, they just pushed a bit too far, trying to trying to make a buck, um, and workers are put in danger. That's right. You touch one, you touch all. I feel this as well, and uh, but uh, I, I feel for the for the family and friends of. Uh, of, of this young comrade, you know, what was it, 23? Yeah, so, so, so young. Sad. And the other young man, like, we're not sure about how he is right now, but he was seriously injured, so this is going to affect him, I'm sure, for the rest of his, his life. And uh, the, these, are, the, these incidents really highlight the importance of union. Mm. You know, like the the, the CFMEU, you know, you know, within some people give them the bad rap. We don't hear. Uh, we reckon they're... And th- this is the reason why they're so militant, mm. you know, because there's so much dangers. Um, as soon as as soon as the boss start cutting corners uh, to, to, to make more money, it's the workers who suffer. So an injury to one is an injury to all. We should all all be uh, heartbroken for for this young man's family and friends, and uh, the other one, you know, the, that uh, who's suffering in hospital. You know that his whole family would would stop, you know, uh, and and put their life on pause while 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 hopefully he recovers, and and plus uh, then then the, the young man who covers recovers. Um, you know how he recovers physically, but I, I'm sure mentally that would be very, very tough. Knowing that, um, 
I made it and my, my comrade didn't, you know. So there's a lot in that story. And uh, and hopefully Lendlease is held accountable for this and a lesson is learnt by other builders in the industry. We'd like to think so, wouldn't we? But, uh, yeah, look, if you're a builder out there, uh, join your union. Even if you're not in a unionised site, just join your union. It's a matter of life and death. Right? It is. It really, really is, you know. And then when you re- you know, you do spot that safety concern, you, you're not going to a boss who's going to deflect you or, or, or even fire you. No, you go to your union, you say, hey. And then they come in and they, they represent you on your behalf. Yeah, and hopefully we can avoid more tragedies like this one. Yeah, it shouldn't be happening in in in, in the modern modern uh, day and age. So, shouldn't happen at any time. Well, too right, comrade. Too right. Right. So, well, we better move on. And uh, we've got another uh, workers' action here. Um, hundreds gather safely to oppose transphobic bill. And this is a story from our comrade Rachel Evans from the Grain Left Weekly. Yes, a COVID-19 safe rally against New South Wales MP Mark Latham's transphobic education legislation amendment bill 2020 was organised on October 10th, despite being declared illegal by the New South Wales Supreme Court the day before. It was organised by Community Action for Rainbow Rights. About 400 people assembled, but were moved on by police after transwoman and teacher Genevieve Doyle had finished her speaking. Peter Murphy, a longtime activist and 78er Greens MP for Newtown, Jenny Leung, and the president of Trans Pride Australia, AJ, were all denied their speaking spot because the police issued move-on orders. Later on, later on video, AJ said, the legislation is targeted at vulnerable children. It's an extreme attack and its impact would be devastating. Every student in New South Wales has a right to be given the opportunity to reach their full potential, to learn with their peers in an environment free from discrimination and to feel a sense of belonging and inclusion. We are here to say stop this proposed legislation. Leong said on video, One Nation's bill seeks to demonise trans kid and trans people. It's nothing short of bullying. Thank you all for your commitment to stand with trans and gender diverse young people. We call on all New South Wales MPs to take the same stand. Murphy said on video, it, it, it took Parliament until 2016 to apologise for the way that the participants of the first Mardi Gras were treated. Now, just four years later, they are entertaining the Latham Education Legislation Amendment Bill, which is all about crushing any respect for transgender children and teachers. Protesters were wearing masks and hand sanitizer was available, but 13 people were fined. A defence fund has been set up. Meanwhile, the New South Wales government is now allowing up to 40,000 people to enter stadiums and hundreds can mingle in shopping centres and in casinos. For shame. Yeah, yeah. 400 people um, standing up for, for trans workers' rights and, uh, yeah, and they get arrested for it, you know. And um, you, you guys have been, been um, to protest uh, in, in COVID restrictions. Everyone's being very, very responsible from what I've seen. As That's you always right. say, Bill, they, yeah. they never let a, a good crisis go to waste. They're just finding reasons to be able to shut events like this down. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, the, 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 both the uh, Black Lives Matters uh, rallies that I attended and the, 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 the Kangaroo Point rallies that I attended, oh, fantastically organised. Everyone's keeping their distance. 
Jeez, well, I think it's until sh- the police as, turn up and push everyone, cattle yeah, everyone yeah, together. That's <laughs> right. as, a, as a crank, cranky old old comrade, I, I, I like the space, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> give me a bit of room, come. But uh, and then yeah, the cops just um, move us all into the one space, and all of a sudden, you know, we're all close together again. But um, yeah, so it's not really about the pandemic. It's just about shutting us down. Yeah, it, I mean, personally, I, I haven't seen much of like the use of COVID legislation to criminalise protests here in Queensland, but it's definitely happening like a lot in New South Wales. Well, I've I've, I've experienced a couple of times. Um, uh, one of them was with the um, with the anti poverty network uh, thing that we were organising. The one at Injure. Mm. The cops played very, very heavy on that, and they they were, um, yeah, they were using COVID to oh, try yeah. and shut us down. Uh, there was another one that uh, um, when I was organising with the incinerator, we yeah. we did a yeah we did something. They shut that down quick, smart. You know, we went in, we were doing with that thing. We 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 had an organiser who's uh, fully um, around that that. Well, not that I I am as well, but we had an organizer experienced in 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 um in in lodging these things and dealing with the police. And whilst he was at the police station, they were sending notifications to other organizers, oh, we're cancelling. And so he's at the police station filling in paperwork and gets a phone call from one of his comrades saying, Oh, they're cancelling us while he's there. You know, it was uh Yes, so, uh, yeah, they have used it uh, a, a little bit uh, here in, in Queensland, not to the extent in New South Wales, of course, you know, but uh, there has been experiences. Yeah. They even tried to arrest Jono, Jono mm. 3. <laughs> Laughable. And just on this story, I think it's really, really important just to note that in 2020 it's quite disgusting that where, um, you know, the, these, this kind of legislation could possibly be passed. Um, and we we need to be really really careful because these little these things slip through and then more and more of them slip through and people slowly become more and more oppressed and as you said before you know like if we let something like this list go through we don't stand up for trans children and trans t- families and teachers then eventually they will come for everybody else. That's yeah, spot on, spot on. They go for the minorities. They go yeah. for the weak first and. Yeah, one nation of shrills for this, Ugh. you know. They're terrible, you know. Like, you know, they electoral, electorally they've been quite. Um, oh, I can't even. They've been terrible. They're, <laughs> they're, just, just, they're just horrible. They're just hor- horrible, horrible, <laughs> and yuck. And uh, what what uh, through um, experience and uh, investigation they do this acro- across the lot in, in the country is they'll hone in on the one issue. You know, and then and then at the one community issue, and then they'll campaign very very hardly for that one issue, and then try to think that they've got uh, heaps of uh, uh, credence within, and they start calling shots within the community because they're focused in on this one issue. Ne- never mind, you know, like uh, for my example is uh, they're against the incinerator out there, and they 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 they're calling others. Oh, you support it, you support it. But hang on a minute, you've got no environmental um, credence at all. And, in fact, you've announced that the, this part of this uh, political um, cycle that we're in, they've announced that they want, if they've got the balance of power here in Queensland, they're, they're going to build a new coal-fired power Ooh. station. Hmm. You know, how, how can you have uh, claim to have environmental credibility 
when you're planning to build a coal firepower station, you know. Um, that, that just goes to the credibility. And then this, the credibility with, with this particular bill, there's uh, one, uh, well, there's two words, both, both of them are, na- are pronouns, Mark and Latham. <laughs> That's reason enough not to support it. Yeah. I, you know? <laughs> Go away, you grub. Uh, well, well said. Yeah. And I think like a thing worth mentioning is like why they're pushing this transphobic bill. It's like it's because like the existence of trans people in society represents like a breaking down of the gender binary, which is used to keep both men and women oppressed, and and this oppression is just used to generate more profits for business owners. Really, because like if you if you're like with men, for example, if you're pushed towards being, uh, you put up with everything and you don't uh, don't take rests and stuff, then that's just um, then you're will- more willing to put up with abuse in the workplace, and you're willing to put in overtime that you don't need to or something because it's a manly thing to do. And then, um, so basically, it, it represents a an attack on on binaries in general upon which dominant discourse and neoliberalism rely very very heavily they rely on us seeing the world in these black and white ways to in order to keep us oppressed yeah and the very existence of trans people challenges that sort of gender binary ah, that's that a really really good point mm, yeah good Great points, Conrad. And uh, all right, we've got one more local, um, one more uh, from across the continent uh, workers action happening here, and like uh, similar to what we're dealing with out at Ipswich, where down in Sydney, the community says no to new incinerators. Yes, so politicians from across the spectrum joined a community rally on October 13th against the New South Wales government's plan to build five new incinerators in Sydney's west. It was organised by Western Sydney Direct Action, WSDA, and No More Incinerators. No More Incinerators, Matraville spokesperson Chris Hansen said, nearly 200 toxic chemicals and heavy metals are known to be associated with incinerator emissions. Even the most modern incinerators release toxic metals, dioxins and acid gases. Far from eliminating the need for landfill, waste incinerator systems produce toxic ash and harmful chemicals. The government's plan is to build four incinerators in the western suburbs and one in Lithgow. The COVID-19 safe protest demanded that Sydney's air not be poisoned with burning garbage for the next 30 years. Publicity for the protest explained that Sydney's basin shape traps pollution, making it unsuitable for five incinerators. It cited a 2017 study by Professor of Environmental Medicine George Thurston that found that living near a waste energy incinerator carries the same health risks as second-hand cigarette smoke. Right, on on the the topic of um, Sydney's basin shape traps pollution... Right, I'm an expert on this. <laughs> all right, like like all other experts. No, look, look, I spent because I lived in Sydney yeah, and I grew up out in the western suburbs of Sydney, out near Parramatta. Um, I, I, I lived it, you know. For how long did I live there? Thirty odd years or something. And what happens? And and in January, when the bushfires happen in and around there, it really, really highlights it. Mm. It's a basin. And so it kind of settles. It, in there. It, it settles in the basin. You even see the the um, 
the clouds come over the the blue mountains and drop down and and then they they drop a bit and and then they hang around in the base in sydney it can rain for three days just because the clouds can't get out of the basin it can rain and rain for days and days and oh remember as a kid just for days and days and days it just keep raining and raining um, but uh, yeah, I highlighted it quite recently uh, in the fires that they had down there recent. But back there was some. Back in the noughties, there was a lot of bushfires there, and I, I was living in the air. It took weeks for the for the for the smoke to get out of there. So uh, uh, that's my experience as an expert growing up in Sydney. Um, and uh, uh, my point on it is, yeah, yeah, that, that, I'm glad that that, that that has been mentioned in, in part of their their action, that Sydney is a basin, you know. And, and of course, you're talking about... So Matraville is, well, traditionally it's not a high socioeconomic area. Yeah, that's where they had the prison riot a little while ago. Yeah, so... Uh, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, and uh, Sydney's where it's not, yeah. you know, like... Uh, look, look uh, oh, I don't know... Uh, Maybe maybe I'd, I'd advocate if they, if they were uh, building it, 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 it on the North Shore. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing that really stood yeah. out for me um, is Poop. that they're doing it in the West End suburbs and up here, like, they're doing it out at Ipswich. So they, mm-hmm. they, they're trying to stick these things in lower well, socioeconomic areas. Yeah, that's right. Areas. Put one at Lane Cove. You know, yeah, well, there's plenty of land out there. Not many people live at Lane Cove. You know, there's heaps of bush, heaps of area. Yeah, go put some tips there. It'll never happen. No. No, you know, so, uh, yeah, you know, always... They're happy, they're happy for the poor to bring yeah, in pick this on toxic us Poor crap. people, you know, so, um, yeah, yeah, good on them. And, uh, of course, I, I, I've got a vested interest in keeping an eye on that action down there. Well, yeah, because my family live and breathe that uh, air down there as well as up here in Sydney, you know, like... Uh, um, my kids' cousins live down in uh, uh, down in there, so we we'll, we'll stand up for, uh, and fight back for them as well. You know, so what a stupid idea! Another thing, just before we move on, uh, the the toxic ash part of it, because what's happened is they they saying that this is you know great for the environment and you know there's going to be less waste, but what what they're doing is they're condensing you know say you know. 100 tons down into, well, I can't use it, down into a smaller amount of highly toxic crap. Mm. You know, this once it's burnt, all that's going to be left is the crap, you know, that doesn't burn and, oh, and then they've got to put that somewhere, you know, and then that crap gets into the, into the water table land and boom, you know, so... There's more to what to it than what they're just pumping into the air, because what we're left but we're, we're left behind with with is this noxious crap, you know. So, um, yeah, we uh, here at Workers Power we say no to incinerators in in poor economies. We we say we put them at uh, Lane Cove. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't want them anywhere. No, not in this day and age. We don't need bloody incinerators. It's just it's yeah, it's barbaric and horrible. Yes, yes, yes. Righto, um, we we should uh, we'll kick straight into some international workers' action. I think we'll keep the st- show moving along, um, especially considering I got. I think we've got two main. Oh well, well we're talking about Thailand, so we want to know all about this, and um, we've got the right person um, who's done the research for us in Jackson. So, with the people <laughs> of Thailand. Against the Prairie Root dictatorship, 
This is uh, by Peter Boyle, once again, uh, from our comrades at the Green Left Weekly. Yeah, so the growing wave of student-initiated democracy protests that have been sweeping Thailand since February are shaking the military coup-installed regime. Riot police and military were sent in before dawn on October 15th to violently disperse thousands of protesters who had camped overnight in front of Government House in the capital, Bangkok, after a mass march the previous evening. Former General and current Prime Minister Prayat Chan-o-cha has declared a state of emergency which bans gatherings of more than five people and the publication of news, other media and electronic information that contains messages that could create fear or intentionally distort information, <laughs> creating misunderstanding that will affect national security or peace and order. However, before the demonstrators were dispersed, human rights lawyer Anand Nampa, who was later arrested, urged people to reassemble at 4pm at the Ratchaprasong intersection, a major shopping district in Bangkok and also the site of the brutal May 2010 military suppression of the Red Shirt pro-democracy uprising. Green left source who marched and stayed overnight in the street along with other democracy activists took to the street again, said they were all determined to regroup at Ratchaprasong despite Prayat's declaration of a state of emergency. All the fear is gone, she said, and people are very angry that the police attacked a peaceful protest. She reported that at 4pm on October 15th, the crowd at Ratchaprasong intersection was 70% young students who came straight from school. School students faced off against riot police in armour, backed up with a water cannon. The crowd kept swelling to become the biggest protest by this democracy movement. The police stood helplessly, but in fa- in fa- yeah. the police stood helplessly in the face of these numbers. Their chief's threat to disperse the crowd by 6pm rendered hollow. The democracy protesters planned to take to the streets again at 5pm on October 16th. The latest wave of democracy protests has united a new generation of activists with former red shirts and even some disaffected former activists from the yellow shirt movement, which is the popular name for the conservative movement that supports a military dictatorship. They united around the call for the Prayat regime to resign, for democratic constitutional changes and reforms to put the monarchy under the rule of the law, to curb its privileges and end these and the use of draconian laws to silence dissent. Police attacks on this latest protest began on the evening of October 13th when democracy activists arrived in Bangkok from the poor northeast of the country and set up makeshift shelters on street corners. Police tore down shelters and arrested around thir- 20, about 20 people. The next morning, tens of thousands of democracy activists converged on Bangkok's democracy monument. Video footage provided to Green Left shows people gathering despite the intimidating presence of large numbers of men with military-style crew cuts and dressed in yellow t-shirts. The men had been transported in police vans into the city centre early in the morning to boost the pro-monarchy yellow shirt numbers. Multiple reports confirmed that by the afternoon of October 14th, the democracy activists overwhelmingly outnumbered the yellow shirts, but protest organisers warned against falling for their provocations. Lines of police stood between the protesters who began marching from the Democracy Monument to Government House and thousands of yellow shirts who stood on the footpath. There are a few instances recorded of yellow shirt thugs assaulting and abusing democracy activists. 
When the Sia protesters, shouting pray it out and down with feudalism, long live democracy, reached Government House, they easily pushed through police lines. A strange incident took place later that evening. A royal motorcade drove through a street near Government House that was full of democracy protesters. There was no violence, but many raised their hands in the three-finger salute of the democracy movement as a limousine carrying Queen Suthida Badrasudhabi Shana, fourth wife of King Thailand's King Maha Vajiralongkorn, passed. Uh, protest organisers had gone to great lengths to avoid the routes notified for the royal motorcade to avoid any provocation but the route was changed to go through the protest when the state of emergency was announced the next morning the brief delay of the royal motorcade while police cleared the road was played up by the pro-regime mass media and cited as a reason for the decree but after the mass defiance at Ratchaprasong on October 15th it appears the regime's attempts to exploit the vestiges of support for the monarchy are failing left-wing groups from around the Asia-Pacific region issued a joint statement of support on October 15th in response to the Thai democracy movement's call for international solidarity. Yes, great story. And uh, you know what was most impressive about that, Hannah? Jackson's pronunciation. Yes. That was Spot on. beautiful. <laughs> Spot on. They were I could not have done that. No, no, <laughs> especially when... When their the, monarchists... Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, very well done, Jackson. Uh, good stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's in our neck of the woods. And, uh, um, yeah, yeah, there's some local solidarity action happening in and around that area too. And, uh, um, yeah, so uh, good stuff. I wanted to quickly we – haven't, we haven't got it up as a story, but I, I, I just like the, the headline. Bolivia's socialists claim victory as unofficial count – Shows big win. Yes, yeah, so they've finally gotten rid of the coup-installed regime over in Bolivia, so good for them. Hopefully things can get a little bit better for the people living there now, especially the indigenous people. I, 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 like, I like the meme that, that I've, I've shared. Now, can I draw... <laughs> it's, a, it's a wrestling one where um, Vince McMahon... You know, he's a bit... New Zealand election results. So-so. ICT election results. Well, that's impressive. Uh, Bolivia election results. Oh my God! How good is that? <laughs> they got a, it's a, it's a good meme. Yeah, it is a good meme. <laughs> We're going to uh, chat now about events. Now, uh, there's been a fair few events that have uh, been of interest. So uh, let's uh, work through them. I've got to find my run sheet. Here we go. Um, so the first one is uh, a protest of no gas-led recovery. Uh, Council Queensland Coal. Uh, yeah, so that's happening in at King George Square on Friday at 5pm. The federal government is pushing for a gas-led recovery to the economic crisis. As the world burns, sea levels rise and mass extinction events become more common, Australia's political elite are committed to putting profit from fossil fuels before human life and the environment. At a Queensland level, the Labor government has approved new coal mines on the Galilee Basin, which will, which will, as well as pump out CO2, threaten koala habitats. The Adani coal mine will also begin operation next year, as the Wangan and Jagalingu people are denied control of their land. We need to get out and demand, number one, Indigenous land rights now. 
No gas lead recovery. Cancel Queensland coal. Prepare disaster relief and end fossil fuels. So that's happening this Friday at 5pm at King George Square. Get along. Uh, yes, this is a really important one for all of all comrades to be at. Yeah, with the pandemic and everything else going on, you can sort of hear the government breathing a sigh of relief, like, oh, thank God those greenies are finally shutting up for a bit. But We are and, not shutting up. <laughs> and, and they're, like, taking a big advantage of it to go, let's get as much coal and gas and stuff going on as possible while we've got this break. But... Yeah, we've got to remind them that we're if we're still deathly afraid of the <laughs> climate apocalypse. Yeah, this coming. pandemic will go away eventually, but climate change is still looming large in the foreground. So we need to, yes, get along and stand up. Definitely, definitely. And there's also a, a couple of events in in around the um Free the Refugee action. So we've got Free the Refugees a protest outside Dutton's office. Sounds like a good opportunity to go and give Dutton a good flipping. Yeah, well, yeah. Thursday, 7am, 5th of November, uh, 199 Gympie Road, Strathpine in Queensland. Australia's uh, tough border protection policies are destroying lives. Since 2013, 13 lives have been lost in Australia's offshore detention hellholes and more have died in Australia. Hundreds of other lives have been broken, both mentally and physically. In Australia, children have been ripped from their homes and placed in detention under the threat of being returned to danger. Thousands of others live in precarious conditions, denied a supporting benefit, the right to work or the right to safety and security. Peter Dutton has used rhetoric that associates refugees with criminality to whip up racism. Please join the Refugee Action Collective at this protest and help us remind the voters of Dixon that people are suffering and say loud and clear, refugees are welcome here. I think it's really important to note the um, the link between these two events. While Australia is quite happy, well, not not us personally, but the government's quite happy to keep pushing on with fossil fuels and leading us to climate collapse. It, we're, we're, we're facing a huge, huge increase in refugees globally because of this. So, we're, you know, we're ruining people's homes and they'll say, oh, no, but you can't come here. We're not gonna. We're not gonna help you. So, <laughs> yeah, two two very very important events to get along to there. So, well, yeah, the next one is a rally and mass action. Close the hotel prisons. Uh, set them free. Free, which is being held on Friday, thirtieth of October, which is the following Friday, five p.m. Once again at King George Square. Hundreds of people are locked in hotel rooms, made into makeshift prisons across the continent. 120 people, the KP120, are locked up in Kangaroo Point. Over 60 more are locked up down in Nam, so-called Melbourne, and more elsewhere in other cities. They've been there for over a year. Before that, they were in offshore concentration camps for over six years. They were put in camps over seven years ago just for trying to find a safe place to live, just for fleeing misery and for doing so by boat. They're sick from living in squalid conditions offshore, so over a year ago they were evacuated here for medical treatment. We locked them in hotel rooms, threw away the key and denied them medical care. 
Are you going to let them do that in your name? No? Well, get out there on Friday 30th of October at 5pm on King George Square and uh, let your boots do the talking. Yes, I just want to point out quickly that the Central Apartment Group, uh, which is at Kangaroo Point, the Manta, Mantra, Preston, so-called Melbourne, and the Meriton are all franchises that have agreed to turn their hotels into concentration camps for money. So it's just something to keep in mind, comrades. Yeah, they're, they're turning themselves into a jail, which is yeah, quite admirable. <laughs> grubby, grubby, grubby. Yeah, and grubs. it also points out that a lot of this whole thing with uh, refugees and keeping them locked up is just a way for these Liberal Party ghouls to fund their mates who work at these places. Oh, it all comes back to money at the end of the day, all of it, doesn't it? It's disgusting. Yeah, yeah, very much so. All right. Another, uh, another quick event that uh, I want to mention is... Um, um, Anti-Poverty Network Queensland, who we're all members of, are holding a public forum um, on uh, Thursday, the fifth of November, uh, at six a uh, six p.m. at seventy-four B Wickham Street, Fortitude Valley. Let's just uh, read their notes. Uh, the crisis is here. Our Ponzi scheme of an economy has been chugging along, with the gap between rich and poor getting wider every year. Those of us at the bottom have been relying on a welfare payment that hasn't been raised in 24 years, back when rent was an average of $160 per week. Can you imagine that, comrades, 160 bucks a week? You're lucky to get a room for that yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. And since 1998, a couple of parasites has profited from our misery and desperation. While one in five children go without breakfast, Max Employment's revenue was $420 million last year. While 120,000 people are homeless, Serena Rosso added $2.175 million property to her already bloated portfolio. What a grub. While we were left with $40 a day before rent, bills and food to live off, taxpayers... Taxpayers pay job active providers $6 billion to hassle us and cut our payments. Now the crisis is here. Millions more have been thrown into the system with more sure to follow them after Christmas when JobKeeper is cut. Um, And then they go on. Everyone has a story uh, of a job agency abuse. Every person who has been through the system knows they only exist to funnel government funds into fr- private enterprise. Everyone knows they don't actually help you gain employment. In fact, their assault on our dignity and mental health usually has the opposite effect. Join Anti-Poverty Network Queensland as we discuss the wretched job active system and more importantly, as we launch the fight back against it. Great comrades in there, even if oh, we do yeah, say yeah. ourselves don't. <laughs> Uh, look, look, um, Jaden and, and, and um, crew. Jaden, Jaden's had a bit of a, 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 a revitalisation of uh, um, uh, anti-poverty network. There's a lot of young people coming in, which is fantastic. I've I've decided to because we've got all these young people. They don't need need a silly old fella in there. So, <laughs> so I've let you know. I've, Good on you, you know, it's, it, it's for you. I, let me know when you need help, you know, so that's the way. And it's just great to see so many young people um, um, get, getting out there, getting active and uh, 
uh, joining the fight. So yeah, that's a good one to get along to. When was that happening again? That's Bill? Thursday, fifth of November. Now we've got a couple of weeks in between, a couple of shows in between now and then. Uh, I'm sure we'll mention it again. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty easy to organise Jaden to come on in. I, I was oh, nearly going to get him to come in today because we didn't have a guest, but um, he's a busy comrade. But we'll have a chat with Jaden. Jaden's a regular on the workers' power, and we'll, I think we can we can have him in in the next couple of weeks. So great stuff to Anti Poverty Network, and uh, yeah, they're. Uh, that 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 event is all about educate or agitate, educate, organise, isn't it? Ah, oh, you know that's a really um, good one where it's 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 covering all three facets. Um, so we're uh, ne- nearing the end of another workers' power here on Four Triple Z, and uh, nothing left to do but uh, announce our scallywag of the week. Now, rules are meant to be broken, comrades. <laughs> That's what they're there for. They're, they're there to be broken. And we break our own rules here on the show when, when, when it's glaringly obvious that we have to. Now, Scott Morrison is normally um, uh, eliminated um, fr- from uh, this award, but we just can't keep him away, can we, comrades? <laughs> just such a scallywag. He's such a grub. All right, so uh, can you... Talk us through it. Uh, sure thing. So we're here to talk about Scott Morrison's 14-day visit, where on day one he got blood all over his car, he was blockaded in a building, and he was hustled out a back door into a cop car. Sucked in. Yeah. On day two, he went to a $1,500 a head rich idiot luncheon, which was disrupted, and they needed to call extra police in to whisk him through. <laughs> and on day three, Scott Morrison brushing a Brussels sprout leaf off his suit jacket, flecks of paint still visible on his car in the background, told listeners, I have urgent business in Sydney, goodbye. And scurried away. Such was the end of the three-day, 14-day visit. Don't let people into your community who lock human beings up forever just for seeking safety. Don't let them walk around shaking hands. Don't let them forget the blood that's on their hands. Human beings are welcome in our community. Racists are not. Bye, Scott. Yeah, right on. Hey, I was just a side note. I'm pretty proud that uh, there was a Rafu member involved in that action that was chasing uh, Um, Scott Morrison. That would have been fun. That would have been fan bloody tastic. And uh, something I found really impressive was the huge turnout by the ETU. Yeah, 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 the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. Yeah, yeah, they're they're getting in there, getting amongst it, getting active where they can. The ETU, uh, uh, good union. Um, So, uh, good on those comrades for standing up. What a grub. Yeah, just make him unwelcome, eh? And he won't come. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, right, eh? Well, that's the show. We've run out of time. Aww. We filled a pretty good show there, I reckon, comrades, with, even without a guest. Blabbering on. I hope yeah. you'll enjoy the sound of <laughs> yeah, our voices. Yeah, we, 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 well, I, I, I'm not sure if they like the sound of our voices. It's more the content that we bring, and there's not many people that uh, are reporting on the stories that we report on, so uh, I'm very proud of, of what we've accomplished <laughs> here on Workers' Power, just quietly. Um, right, so um, that's our show for the week. Um, hang around. Uh, Max was in bright and early this morning, so I'm sure that there's going to be an excellent Brisbane Lions coming your way after this track. So stick around, around for the Max. And as we say, when 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 uh, uh, once we go, the professionals take over, <laughs> and, and Max is, is is there for us. So that's it for another show. Please uh, tune in again next week. We will. Uh, See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday, comrades.